welcome to the Obedient Creative Podcast. This is podcast number six. My name is Moses. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Coming here every single Monday to learn, to grow, to get new things, new stuff for your creative journeys and start your week in style. The Obedient Creative Podcast is a space that I started away from my YouTube channel where I personally get to learn more about creativity, how to live my best creative life. And as I've always said, I drag you with me because I know you always want to live creative life and be creative in whatever you do. So welcome back to this podcast. The last two episodes found us going through the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's a great book. Thanks to everyone who sent me a message to let me know that they were getting the book, buying from the bookstore or just getting the PDF copy of the book. And I hope that it's going to be a great, great journey. You learning more about your creativity. I'm really appreciative knowing that this space has helped someone, you or me, to grow in one way or another. This week, we're running to another book. This is Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World by best-selling author of deep work that is Carl Newport. This is one of the most interesting and most intriguing books I've ever read. Still read it most of the time when I need a new book or when I find myself looking for new information or wanting to go back to some information that I read. This is the one that can definitely change your life in terms of how you use the internet, how you can stop using the internet or how you can optimize your life. Actually just choosing a focused life in a noisy world. And when he means noisy, he means social media and the internet, not necessarily the physical noise that we go through every single day. Carl Newport describes the noisy world as social media internet use. But we'll get to this book quite later in this podcast or probably in the next episode, because for this week, I want to go deep and deep through history of the internet to social media and how digital minimalism comes into our creative lives. We live in a world so interconnected that you can be in China, the United States, South Africa, and Finland in one day, only not physically, because of this one thing we call the internet. The internet, which is a vast network that connects computers all over the world, and through the internet, you and I can share information and communicate from anywhere, just with an internet connection. It works through a series of networks that connects devices around the world, through telephone lines. You and I provided access to the internet by internet service providers. We've had something called Wi-Fi. The internet has revolutionized communications and methods of commerce by literally allowing computer networks around the world to interconnect. Sometimes it's even referred to as the network of networks. The internet emerged in the United States back in the 1970s, although it had been kind of wired before that, but it did not come visible to the general public until maybe the early 90s, by now, by the 2020s, there's approximately 4.5 billion people. That's more than half of the world's population who are estimated to have access to the internet, which provides a capability so powerful and general that it can be used for almost any purpose that depends on information. And it is accessible by every individual who connects to one of its constant networks. It supports human communication via social media, which we'll talk about. Email, which is generally electronic mail. Chat rooms, news groups, and audio and video transmission like a podcast. And allows people to work collaboratively at many, many different locations. The internet supports access to digital information by many applications, including the www world wide web internet has proved to be a spawning ground 
for a large and growing number of e-businesses. There are so many subsidiaries of traditional companies that carry out most of their sales and services through the internet. Maybe you're one of those people who do loads and loads of work on the internet. But let me clear something about the internet. The internet is not the web. The internet is not a cloud. And the internet is not magic. This is from freecodecamp.org. says, it may seem like something automatic that we take for granted, but there's a whole process that happens behind the scenes and makes it run. But while the advancements in technology come with a lot of advantages, which you and I have seen all throughout our time using the internet, including keeping us connected at all times of the day, they're not without their drawbacks. Smartphone addiction is a real problem around the world today. But aside from that, there are a number of psychological problems that could arise from using too much technology. Here on the Obedient Creative Podcast, this week I want to focus on how social media, even though it can be the same same place where you can share your art and make lots of money or grow your audience, it's the same same place that can actually kill your creativity. It's the same same place where your creativity can die easily. And on that note, let's start with the most famous or the most recognizable social media website or application and the one that actually changed the world. And that is Facebook, February 4th, 2004. Some dude from Harvard University named Mark Zuckerberg, who today is one of the most recognizable people around the world, launched the Facebook, which was a social media website that he had built in order to connect Harvard students with one another. By the next day, over a thousand people had registered on the Facebook. And that was only the beginning. It wasn't known as Facebook by then, but the site quickly ballooned into one of the most significant social media companies in history, if not the most significant one. Today, it's one of the most valuable companies in the world. Two billion monthly active users. The origins of Facebook have been highly scrutinized, including the critically acclaimed 2010 film. It's called The Social Network, which I really, really advise you to go and watch. It's basically Mark Zuckerberg's journey on creating Facebook. But the exact source of the idea remains unclear until today. Why did he really start Facebook remains unclear. Although the whole idea of connecting students at the university seems to be a good one. He was a tech genius and he wanted to connect people around school. That was a good idea. What is so obvious is that this young man had two in-gifts for coding and causing a star, both of which served him well at Harvard. If you've read history well, you know the previous year he'd become a campus celebrity by creating another app called Facemash, which was a website where students could vote on which of two randomly selected Harvard students, women to be precise, was more attractive and quickly running afoul of both the administration and several women's groups. That was Mark Zuckerberg for you. Facemash was short-lived, but popular anyway, leading Zuckerberg to consider the value of creating a campus-wide social network. And over the course of that one year, Zuckerberg built what would become today Facebook. Launched on February 4th, 2004, Zuckerberg and his roommates were just glued on the screens watching an estimated maybe 1,500 of their fellow students signing up for their website within its first 24 hours. And then from there, Facebook expanded rapidly, moving to other Boston area schools and the rest of the Ivy League that spring. And by the end of the year, the site had 1 million users. An investor came in and invested $500,000 and this young man called Zuckerberg had just left Harvard 
and he went to run Facebook at its new headquarters in California. And from there, Facebook spread across the world, becoming an incredibly valuable company and one of the most important institutions of the early 21st century. Went on and became the go-to social media site for a generation of internet users and one which was readily adopted by all the users. Your mom is on Facebook, right? Maybe even your grandma. Facebook transformed from exclusive to universal, becoming one of the major forces that brought the internet into the highly participatory phase. But Facebook has remained controversial though. In addition to allowing misinformation and fake accounts, Facebook has drawn so much criticism, both for selling its users' data and for failing to adequately protect it. Well, nonetheless, anyway, Facebook continues to dominate the social market today. Facebook owns Instagram, Facebook owns WhatsApp, Facebook almost owns everything, generating by far the most ad revenue and maintaining over half of the total market share. I don't know if Facebook will one day buy Twitter. I'm not sure about that, but Facebook literally owns almost everything to do with the internet today. Now, let me give you a brief history of social media in the 2000s before we get to the 2010s where probably everything changed. Once again, I'm taking you back to 2003 where Mark Zuckerberg had launched FaceMush, which is described as Harvard University's answer to hot or not, which was heavily criticized. The Facebook followed in 2004 and it went on to register its one millionth user that same year. The site dropped the the on its name and became just Facebook in 2005 after Facebook.com domain was purchased for $200,000. And around the same time, a tidal wave of other social media sites swept ashore. LinkedIn emerged, targeting the business community, photo sharing sites like Photobucket and Flick, Social bookmarking sites like Delicious and sites like WordPress came into existence in that year. YouTube was also launched in 2005 and they posted their very first video, Me at the Zoo, which is a YouTube video, a very short video of a man weirdly talking about his experience at the zoo. And that video has millions, almost billions of views today. People still go back to that video and say, well, this is where we started. That was in 2005 when YouTube was launched. Other social media sites like Reddit arrived in 2005 too. 2006 was arguably the year Facebook truly took flight. It opened registration to everyone. And it went from an exclusive Harvard-only club to a global network. Tweet, the site that eventually became known as Twitter, also took flight in 2006. And the first tweet ever was posted by its co-founder Jack Dozy on March 21st, 2006. And he said, just setting up my tweet. So glad they changed the name because tweet sucks. Dozy originally envisioned tweet as a text message based tool for sending updates between friends. Apparently, in the early stages of its development, the tweet team cranked up some steep SMS bills. Remember the story I told you about YouTube? It gathered nearly 8 million daily views between its May 2005 beta and its official launch in December 2005, just from that little video of some guy weirdly talking about his experience at a zoo. And then things escalated quickly. Ahead of its acquisition by Google in the fall of 2006, the site grew to 100 million videos being watched by 20 million dedicated users. And then in May 2007, YouTube introduced its partnership program, which has been key for the site ever since. This initiative 
was a partnership between YouTube and its popular content creators. So YouTube provides the platform and the creators provide the content. So profits from advertising on creators' channels are then shared between the two parties. And that's how your favorite YouTubers got their start. Let's stick to 2007. There was a strict 140 character limit for tweets set by Twitter, apart from their rivals, including Facebook. But Twitter's significance in the digital age was really defined by what we know today by the hashtag, which was a symbol that helped everyone promote, mobilize, create awareness for critical and not so critical social issues. Hashtags have also helped plant the seeds that sprouted movements such as Occupy, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, so many hashtags every single day. We see them every now and then. We see hashtags every time we log on to our Twitter handles. And the story goes, during the summer of 2007, one of Twitter's early adopters, Chris Messina, proposed a hashtag inspired from his early days of the internet relay chats for organizing tweets. It wasn't until a couple of months later that the hashtag San Diego Fire hashtag was packed to aggregate tweets and updates about the California wildfires. But still, Twitter didn't fully embrace the hashtag until 2009. Then they realized that it was more than just a useful way to group content, but it was a unique vernacular for expressing ideas and emotions online. Eventually, they fully put it in the platform and it brought new users. Fast forward to 2010, around July, when Instagram kind of showed up in the map and, and announced its space in the scene. Instagram, which is under Facebook, if you have no idea, started way some 12 years ago. And finally, just eight years after launching in Mark Zuckerberg's Harvard dorm room, Facebook announced its user base had reached a significant milestone and now shared a population nearly the size of India. Zuckerberg said, if you're reading this, thank you for giving me and my little team the honor of serving you. Helping a billion people connect is amazing, humbling, and by far the thing I am most proud of in my life. This was in 2012, and Facebook has gone on to have more platforms like WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram, and that is where we are today. Now we're done with the history of social media and the internet. And I want to move to something really critical in this experiment that I'm doing, or this podcast episode that I'm doing, and that is online communities versus real-life communities. As the reality of the information age becomes more certain, you and I are beginning to understand the vast expanse of the new media. We're starting to experiment new ways to interact with other people day in, day out, and interconnecting with different people across the entire world. There's a massive technological explosion that is occurring right now. Some say it's just a start for a brighter future in technology. For many of us, though, this cyberspace is part of our daily routines. We check our electronic mail, that is our emails, communicate online with our tutors and other students, we pay bills online, we make airline and hotel reservations online, we do literally everything online. The internet serves as a looking glass by which all its users, you and I included, step through to meet others. Internet chat rooms, web surfing, we do everything online these days. The web brings together a universal community with diverse backgrounds and life experiences in which we share and we learn from one another. In other words, a virtual community. We exchange and we share information and even sometimes we build permanent intimate relationships. Oh, we've seen people date and get married via dating apps, on the internet, but we need to examine what an actual community is. Then we compare it to an online community. 
and then we'll box everything to our creativity and why we should probably rethink our use of social media, how it's affecting how we see the world and how we can optimize how we use social media because we need to draw the line and say we are getting to places where the internet has become so fundamental in our lives that we can't get away from it. The best thing that we can do is just optimize how we use it. Well, a community means different things to different people, to be honest. A community can be defined as a group of people having common interests such as science, farming, business, etc. etc. Community can also be defined as a group viewed as forming a distinct segment of the society, such as Christian community, European community, African-American community. Community could also mean the locality which such a group lives. A real, that's a face-to-face -face community, is one which shares a common cultural or social heritage and can easily establish a social interaction and regular contact. You meet every single day in the afternoon or maybe once a week. That's a real-life community. There is some strong sense of unity and fellowship in a real community or real-life community where you meet physically, have interactions, have social clubs. They're really important. Then a virtual community is one where global networks come into play. Different people from different parts of the world establish a virtual community in cyberspace. It's not in the real life. You don't see each other physically. Virtual communities are communities formed through computer-mediated communities. That's a CMC. But how does a community evolve online? A community is said to evolve over time and is represented by the various interaction partners of different individuals. A virtual community for me is something like one person creating a Twitch stream where he has a thousand followers or a thousand people streaming or playing games. I've seen people play games together online. I've seen people come together for a really great cause to pray together people from around the world even a little facebook page can be an online community where people meet every single day to pray they join in on live these days we have zoom calls where you can have a community where people are coming in from australia people are coming in from china people are coming in from the united states and you come together for one great cause you have the same interests which is gaming which is football which is politics and over time it keeps building up you start having really intimate relationships within all of you. You find people start businesses together. People now even start dating all through online communities. It's something incredible in one way or another, how the internet has enabled us to just be so interconnected. And now that we've seen the history of the internet, we've seen how everything came to be. The next place we are heading to is the negatives of social media and why you and I should read the book Digital Minimalism by Carl Newport, why you should quit social media if possible, and why you probably should start practicing digital minimalism. And that episode is coming to you next Monday here on the Obedient Creative Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the history of the internet and where we are today so that when we go to the negatives and probably the positives, we'll know what you're talking about. Thank you for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast on the different platforms that you might be listening from. Mm -hmm.